If you are a guest with us today, my name's Kevin. I serve as the lead pastor here, and today we are in week five of a four-week series called The Blessed Life. <laughs> and that's not a mistake. Uh, I didn't just stumble over my words. This is week five of a planned out four-week series, and I kind of had to do a lot of, ah, God, what are we doing this week? Because uh, as we've announced, uh, the elders have approved kind of sending me on kind of a spiritual sabbatical to get poured into. Uh, That's going to be starting next week. I had this amazing series planned. It was going to be like off the hook, um, but I'm not going to be here. So suddenly the preaching calendar changed and we had to trust God. Our elders are going to for the next couple of weeks. They're awesome, godly men. You're going to be so blessed by them sharing. Um, so I had to figure out, God, what do we want to do? God, what are, going to do? what are we going to do? And God just said, keep talking. Just keep going. I'm not done yet. We're not done talking about living a blessed life. Because you and I live in a culture today that is really pushing on us, what does it mean to live a blessed life? What does it mean to be blessed? And culture would have us believe that we are more blessed by what we receive. That if I would, could just get more money, if I could just get a bigger house, a better job, a better boyfriend, a better girlfriend, some of us a better spouse, we think that way. If I could just get better health, if I could just get better, better, more, more, me, me, then I will be blessed. The problem is, As a follower of Jesus, nowhere do we find that in the Bible. Now, I understand there's a kind of Christian movement, and I call it Christian movement, that says because God loves you, he will give you more and more and more and more. The problem with that is I don't see that lined up in the Bible. Because what if you get to the end of your life and all you have is Jesus? you've received the greatest treasure in the world. The greatest treasure in the world. Something more precious than anything the world has to offer because you have been made holy before a holy God. That you get to spend eternity with a holy God who loves you and not because you did anything to earn it, but because Jesus died for you. If you end this life with only that, you are the richest person on the planet. So we have to be mindful as followers of Jesus, what does it truly mean to be blessed? Now, if you're here today in the room or if you're watching this online and you would say, well, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm not too sure I believe like you believe. And if that's you, that's awesome. I'm so glad you're here. I pray that you would be blessed by our time together. But I'm not talking to you today. The verses that I'm using from the Bible are written to the church. They're written to Christians, men and women, boys and girls who have given their heart and their lives to Jesus. Because we are called to live differently than the world. In fact, when it talks about living a blessed life, Jesus flat out says that it is more blessed to give than to receive. That you and I will be more blessed. We will have the blessed life not by what we get, but rather by how we give. So we've been looking at this series for the past four weeks, and we've been talking about probably two of the most uncomfortable topics that we can talk about in the church. Time and money. Oh, well, we could have thrown sex in there, and that would have made it even more uncomfortable, but I left that one out for another series, okay? (laughs) That we talk about our time, how you and I are using our time, or talking about how you and I use our money. And the reason it's uncomfortable is because if we were really honest with one another, there's a little thing in our heart 
called sin, and we don't like it when anyone tells me how to live my life. And you can see that from little kids, right? Moms, do you remember this with your little kids? They could barely speak. And what's the first word that was starting to come out of their mouth? No! When people say kids are cute and innocent, no, they're not. They're monsters. They're sinful, sinful little creatures. They would kill you for food if they could. Okay? Sinful to the core. Me, 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 mine. They cute occasionally. That's why, you know, we keep having them. Okay? But there's that sin nature in us that, no, it's about me. Don't tell me how to live my life. Don't tell me how to use my time. Don't tell me how to use my money. Because it's my money. But the reality is, in your Bible, Jesus talked about this stuff all the time. Jesus talked about money. Jesus talked about how we are living our lives. Because it's important to Jesus that we are called, as followers of Jesus, to live differently than the world. So that the world would notice. And the call of the church is to live the blessed life in order to be a blessing to other people. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our world. We're not called to be the judge of the world. There's already a judge and he's on the throne and you're not it. Let me say that again. There is already a judge of the world. He is on his throne and you're not him. We are called to live a blessed life to bring the blessing of Jesus everywhere that we go. And it's done through what we give, not what we get. So we've been talking about this. And if you want to be living a blessed life, it starts with having a heart of generosity. How we use our money, how we use our time. We we looked at what does it look like to develop our heart so that we would have a generous heart. And then we kind of focused for a couple of weeks and we talked about money. And we talked specifically on tithing of giving God my first, of giving God my first. And we don't give as Christians out of religious obligation. We are not under the law to tithe. We're not under the law to tithe. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. But should Christians tithe? Absolutely. Because, one, God uses our generosity for his work to do amazing things in the world. And what giving does is it breaks us free from the love of money. When we give God our best and our first, and we trust God to bless the rest. And for you, you have to seek God. What is that number? The Bible says, ask God for that number, and he'll give it to you. Maybe for you it's 1%. Maybe it's 5. Maybe it's 10. Maybe it's 90. I've met people who live that way, who give 90% and live off the 10. Now, okay, they're 10 is like way bigger than my hundred, but God blesses them in a way to live that way. And you know why he blesses them? That's what we looked at the, the following week. It's because God blesses them with more, they have to give more. There's the biblical principle that if God has blessed you with more, it's not so that you could hoard more. God has given you more so that you could bless more. And us here in the North American church, we are blessed. We're blessed beyond blessing in Canada. And the call for us as those who have been more blessed is to be even more generous 
It's easy to build our church budget around me, us, our kids, our program, my development, my spiritual well-being. No, we got to break free from that. No, we need to be a blessing. Support church planters. Support missionaries around the world. Support outreach initiatives. Get the money out there. Be a blessing. So we looked at that. Then last week we started, we moved the shift from money and we started talking about how you and I use our time. And we saw how a serving leads to the path of blessing. How we use our time to serve other people the way Jesus served us. And then that's the path to blessing. So I want to continue this theme of looking at what it means to be men and women, boys and girls, who serve. Because here is the truth of God's word that we're going to unpack together today. Is you were created to serve. You were designed, created by a holy God for the purpose of service. And I'm going to start this. We're going to be jumping all over the Bible today, but we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 2. If you have the church app, you can click on the sermon outline there and you can see the the biblical text that we're going to go through. Or you can follow along if you like to kick it old school with your paper Bible. That's cool too. I still like my paper Bible. (laughs) The font's getting smaller. I need to do something about that. But uh, (laughs) Ephesians chapter 2 is what I want to start looking at. And this is a verse, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard this verse before. This is one of those memory verses, one of those verses we put on the fridge, one of those verses we make kids memorize this in Sunday school. And this is what it is. Ephesians 2 chapter, uh, chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for you to do. How many of you have heard that verse before? Show of hands. Yeah, we hear hear this. This is all the time. You You are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good work. And God has prepared this work in advance for you to do. You were created to do good work. You were created to serve. And God had in his mind exactly what that would be before you were even born. God knew exactly how you would serve before the world was even created. God knew how you would serve. Now here's what's fascinating about this verse. And it's not so much what's written in this one, but it's what's in the two verses before it. Because these are another couple of verses that we make all the kids memorize. And this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, and this is not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not by works, so none can boast. You have been saved by the work of Jesus on the cross. You have been saved not because of your work, Not because of anything that you have done. You have been saved because of the gift of God. For God so loved the world, he sent Jesus to die for you. You have been saved through faith, not by works. So now, get to work. When you study the two verses together, that's exactly how it goes. You have been saved, not by works. It's all the work of Jesus. Now get to work. Did you realize that every other religion on the planet, every religion on the planet, apart from the Christian faith, has it turned the other way around? Work, work, get to work, and maybe God will forgive you. Maybe. You're never really sure 
did I say those prayers right? Did I kneel the right way? Did I bow the right way? Did I attend enough services? Did I volunteer enough? Does my good outweigh my bad? Work, then be saved. The, faith, the Christian faith is radically different than any other religion on the planet. When people say, well, Christianity is exactly like every other faith, no, it isn't. It's not the same. It's the polar opposite. Is you have been saved by a loving God. Now we work. <laughs> not because we don't work to earn God's love. You're already loved. You're already a sinner. You're already an enemy of God. And God so loved us, he dealt with the sin. He cleans us up. He picks us up. Loves on us. He gives us this church family to do life together. We spur one another on and then we serve to bless the world. Right? And we can see this idea that God has created you to serve. We see it in this verse in the New Testament. And I love the picture of it in the Old Testament in the book of Jeremiah. In chapter 18, this is what the, the word of the Lord said to the prophet Jeremiah. Starting in verse 2, God said, Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So Jeremiah, I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. Don't think of the movie Ghost, but just think of the other pot, you know, like the, the pottery wheel. You remember the movie Ghost? I just dated myself that way. But anyways, okay, working on the wheel with this big thing of clay. And this is what God says. It says, so I went down to the potter's house. I saw him working at the wheel, but the pot he was shaping from clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. And then the word of the Lord came to me and he said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of a potter, so you are in my hands, O Israel. Right? The, the prophet is seeing a messed up pot, that it's fallen apart, it's messy, it's not good for anything, there's cracks in it, there's something wrong with this pot. That was you and me before Jesus came into our lives. And the potter then takes the clay that was marred and reshapes it as he sees fit. How many of you have a wonderful plan for your life? We have to be mindful. As does my wonderful plan for my life align with God's wonderful plan for my life? Because we can make our plans. But we're in the hands of the potter. And he shapes us. He makes us for his purpose, for his glory, and for our blessing when we step into that. And you and I live in a world where there are constantly people telling us, what their wonderful plan is for our lives. You could have a boss at work who has a wonderful plan for your life and would love for you to work all this overtime and never be paid. You might have teachers that are dictating where you should go in your education and they've got a wonderful plan for your life. We kind of joke around that my wife loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. Love you, baby. Okay? We can do that with one another sometimes, right? But what is God's wonderful plan for your life? That you are clay in the potter's hand. He has designed you for good works. You were saved. Now get to work. And so what I want us to focus on is this idea that comes out of Rick Warren's book called Shape. That God has given you a specific shape. 
And we are called as followers of Jesus, as we'll look at through the Bible today, to serve out of our shape. Because if you and I actually serve out of the way God has created us, you and I will be more blessed when we serve out of our shape. And that's the big idea today. You will be more blessed if you serve out of your shape. And I am so passionate about this topic. Because the reason I'm passionate about this topic is because I spent the first five years of my pastoral ministry trying to be somebody I wasn't. You see, we live in a digital age where you can pull this out and you can listen to world-class Bible teachers on any topic you want. If you kind of have a pet theological thing that you like, I don't know, say you're kind of like really into like Old Testament sacrificial law. I just randomly picked one. And you could find the world expert on the sacrificial Jewish system back then and hear this world expert who speaks on one topic every week, everywhere that he or she goes. And then you come to me and say, well, Pastor Baker said so much better on this topic than you did. (laughs) Not here. Other places did that. (laughs) Well, I heard this preacher and they said it like this. Well, I heard this preacher and they said it like this. I heard this preacher. I heard this preacher. And I spent the first five years of my pastoral ministry trying to be someone who I wasn't. And I was this close from walking away from it. Because it was killing me. It was killing me. I couldn't do it. I'm not called to be them. I'm not called to live like them. I'm not called to teach like them. I'm me. And I need to be okay with being me. Now, that's not permission to keep on sinning. Like if you've got a sin issue in your life, when sometimes we go, well, I have this sin. I'm always going to have this sin. No, that's not what I'm saying. But God created you to have a specific shape and what shape stands for like rick warren if you're familiar with his writing and teaching he's big into these acrostics i stink at them so i just steal his Um, but shape stands for your spiritual gift your heart your ability your personality and your experience say that again if you're taking notes your spiritual gift your heart your ability your personality and your experience and god will use all of those five things together for you to serve other people. And if you serve out of your shape, you will be more blessed. So let's unpack this a little bit together and talk about each of these topics so that we can look at and we can ask ourselves, am I serving this way? Am I currently serving out of my shape? And if you today come out of the end of this message going, you know what, I'm not serving in my shape. If you're serving out of guilt, out of obligation, or out of tradition, I have always done this role, I'm going to do it till I die. If that's your viewpoint of service, I release you in Jesus' name. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. We do not want to be the kind of church where people are serving out of guilt, out of obligation, or out of tradition. We want people serving out of your shape. Let's talk about these five things. The first is this, spiritual gifts. And what a spiritual gift is, it's the special ability that God has given you to share love and to serve others. Now, when it comes to spiritual gifts, there's a lot of teaching out there about spiritual gifts. Some of it is solid. Some of it is not so solid. There's a lot of confusion on this topic. And I love the fact that Paul addresses the fact that there's a lot of confusion on this topic. He says it right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. He says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. 
I don't want you to be uninformed on this topic because for some reason, this topic has a tendency of getting the church all riled up. And instead of showing love for one another, we start competing with one another. And that's what Paul was addressing in the city of Corinth, that certain people who had certain spiritual gifts were snubbing their nose, looking down at people with other gifts. Ha ha, I have the gift of tongues, you who don't. Nah, 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 nah. I have wisdom, you just serve. Nah. Like, they're a bunch of babies. And what is going on? Why are they doing this? When Paul says, you know what, You're, yeah, there's this gift, but there's this gift. And there's a body that's supposed to be using all of their gifts together. Right? And look what Paul says here. Another thing that was going on is people are going, yay, I have this spiritual gift. Look at this personal, private, intimate relationship I can now have with God because of my gift. They were hogging it for themselves. And Paul addresses that. He says, no, 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 no. Like in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Your gift is needed for the common good. I need your spiritual gift to grow spiritually. And that's a mind blow for a lot of people. It's like, no, 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 pastor. I, I attend church. Like, we have 418 people who attend this church in our two services. We have 500 people watching it online these days. So we have a 900 people. No, 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 we just come to this to benefit from your gift. No. That's ex- that sounds exhausting and unbiblical. Your gift, I need your gift to grow in my faith just as much as you need my gift to grow in yours. It's for the common good we're not supposed to compete when it comes to spiritual gifts we're not supposed to shun one another and we're not supposed to hoard them for ourselves we need to be using our spiritual gifts for the common good and if you want to study more about the you know, spiritual gift there's four uh, key passages in the new testament that talks about them there's romans chapter 12 first corinthians chapter 12 ephesians chapter 4 and first peter chapter 4 you can write those down look it up yourself But here's the list in alphabetical order, not in order of importance. In alphabetical order, these are the gifts. Administration, apostleship, discernment, encouragement, evangelism, faith, giving, healing, helping, hospitality, interpretation, knowledge, leadership, mercy, miracles, pastoring, prophecy, teaching, tongues, and wisdom. The gifts are given for the common good of the church you were created you were given a gift to be a blessing to the church right and i think one of the other ways that we have a misconception about spiritual gifts is well i can't serve until the lord reveals to me what my gift is and i think that's wrong because how are you going to know what your gift is until you step into it If you have been given the spiritual gift of hospitality and never invite anyone to your house, how will you ever know you have a gift of hospitality? You won't know. You need to try it. See what God does in it. How will you know you have a 
spiritual gift of teaching if you never put yourself in an, into an environment where you will try teaching. Oh, well, I filled out the survey. You know what? When I fill out the survey, I get 20 on 20 on every gift. You know why? Because I wish I had them all. Or I feel guilty that I don't have this one. Do you like to pray for sick people in the hospital? Gosh darn it, I better put five. Because <laughs> I feel awfully guilty for putting the two that my gut is telling me to put on. I'm, I'm not a big prayer I pray, but it's not my primary gifting. Right? So we, we, we can score ourselves 20 on everything, but I firmly believe you will learn more about your spiritual gift when you step out in faith. Try it. And so we as a church, we want to get better at this because I know what happens. People don't serve because it's like, well, if I sign up for this, I can get stuck in that ministry for the next 15 years. And I hear you. I hear you. I wouldn't want to get stuck in a ministry that I'm not called to serve into either. And we're going to get better at this. And we want to give opportunities. Come, try it. You're not too sure if you should be a life group leader? Then be mentored by another life group leader. We'll coach you. We'll guide you. That's the role of pastors and elders is to equip the church for service. So we want to create these environments where we'll let people try it. Be what God does as you step out in faith to see what your spiritual gifts are. Okay? Because I believe when you step into it, you will learn and you will grow in your gift as you step into it. Second part of this shape thing is heart. And the heart is the special passion God has given you so that you can glorify him on earth. And we can see an example of this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, where it says, Whatever you do, whatever you do, however you are serving, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, as if working for the Lord, not for human masters, since we know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as, as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. What has God given you a heart for? What, when you look at the world and you see the hurt and the pain and the suffering, what breaks your heart? Or what part of ministry in the church, when you see it or when you serve in it, it just gets your heart pumping? It gets you excited to be a part of it. Where's your heart? One of the things that happens to me all the time as a pastor is people will come to me, they'll come to my office, and they'll, they, you know, they'll, they'll want to make an appointment to meet with me to see how they can start serving. And, so, and sometimes people show up unannounced for that, and Heather, our office administrator, is on strict orders. No one's allowed in my office unless you have coffee, because that's exactly what I need is more coffee. Okay? Um, I'm just kidding. She'll let you in if I'm free, absolutely. But make an appointment, please, make an appointment. Um, but people come and see me, and they'll say, well, Kevin, how can I serve? How, uh, I have this idea. God's really put this burden on my heart, Kevin. And, man, I really think, Kevin, like, man, you need to do this. I go, well, I work 40 hours a week here. That's what I'm paid for. I volunteer probably about another 20. Pretty sure he's not called me to do that. <laughs> but why is this burning so much in your heart? And I say this all the time. If God has put that burden on your heart... That's your work to do. Because this idea that we pay the pastor to do all of our work, not biblical. (laughs) God has put it on your heart to reach out and love on Syrian refugees. Get out there and love on Syrian refugees. If God has put it on your heart to reach out to women trapped in the sex trade, get out there and do it. 
whatever God has put on your heart to reach a certain people group, to love and bring the heart of Jesus to people, if he's put it on your heart, it's your call. Not mine. I have my heart, and I know what God's called me to. Right? So how's your heart? Do you know what your heart is beating for when it comes to service? The A stands for abilities. Abilities is the set, the set of talents that God gave you when you were born, which he also wants you to use to make an impact for him. In Romans chapter 12, verse 6 from the NLT version, we can read, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. So here, uh, Paul's talking about the different gifts that you receive, the different abilities that you have. You were created by a holy God who created you with a specific gift set. And we need to use those gifts, those talents, and those abilities that are not spiritual gifts. We use them for the glory of God. Now, how can I talk about this topic without sounding like a jerk? Oh, I'm just going to say it. Okay. Here's what happens. People come to me all the time and say, Pastor Kevin, how can I serve in the church? And I'll say, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm an accountant. Oh, that's cool. How long have you been an accountant? Oh, for like 30 years. Like, you know what? We really need help on our finance team. Like, we really, like I could use, this is just an example, right? Like I, we could really use you. If you've got that experience and that ability and that education, wow, we could really use that. You know what the response is 99.7% of the time? Well, no. I do that all week. So what I would like you to do instead, Pastor, is teach me to do something that I have no clue how to do. So would you use your week to teach me to do something I have no clue how to do instead of doing something I'm awesome at? (laughs) It drives me insane. And here's why it drives me insane. Because you're an expert in your industry and you'll do it for money. But you won't do it for the building up of God's church. You'll do it for money but you won't do it for the building up of God's kingdom to see people get saved from their sins, to see people freed from the power of sin and darkness. You would rather do something you're not good at (laughs) and have people having to fix it and correct it and go, well, we'll just do crappy ministry that we're not good at because I don't want to do what I'm awesome at. Drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. Because... Okay, now I get it. I get it. Some of you have a job that you despise. Okay, that happens. Okay, you're off the hook. <laughs> but even some of you, if you have a job you despise, you might actually be more blessed to use that talent and ability for the glory of God. When I was working as a computer consultant, I was a computer consultant in the 90s. Back then, we were like wizards because no one had a clue how to do this stuff. Like, like I was working on mobile technology before anyone had a cell phone. Okay, we were working on crazy wackadoo wizardry stuff. No one had any clue. We could charge anything we wanted to our clients because they had no clue how to do this. We were printing our own money. Okay? And I hated it. 
It was driving me mental, sitting in front of a computer, punching out all this code after code. And it was, ah, it was driving me nuts. And then I became a Christian. And in the city of Montreal, back then, churches couldn't afford to pay for this stuff. It was too expensive back then. Ministries, food banks, kind of different chaplains in the community, they couldn't pay for this stuff. So you know what I started doing? I started doing it for them. I started building websites for churches who couldn't afford to pay for it. I started building websites for chaplains and deacons and other people in our city so that they could get their message of Jesus out to the community. And you know what? I loved every second of it that God could use an ability that he gave me to communicate the message of Jesus to the world. We were at the cutting edge of this stuff because what was happening, the world was making this digital shift when people would go move to a new community and would go to this strange new thing called Google. Okay? I know you younger people are like, what do you mean? Like you had a world without Google? We did. It wasn't that long ago. And you would type in the name of a church in 1994 and you would see their website and on the website would have these little MIDI files going, and I'd have all these graphics, and I had this hit counter that said seven people have visited this site, and it would have a, this page was last updated March 1990, or 1991. This page hasn't been updated in six years. There's been seven hits on it, and they're still playing MIDI files. And the world would look at that and say, that church must be closed. But instead, we could do this work. We could, you know, see life coming to these ministries and churches through how God has already given me an ability. So I think some of us, we got to get over this. Oh, I do it all week. If you are an expert in spreadsheets, spreadsheet well. If you are an expert accountant, accounting well. Right? If you are a musician, Get up here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if God has given you an ability, use it for the glory of God. Not just the paycheck. Because he's given you that ability. You have an ability I don't have. You have an ability the elders don't have, the deacons don't have, the staff doesn't have. But we need those abilities to grow the church and to reach more people for Jesus. Okay, I'm going to stop ranting. Okay, that was the angry part. Okay, and the rest is all going to be loving. I promise. It drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. Finally, another point, point four, is God has given you a personality. God has given you a personality. Personality is the special way that God wired you to navigate life and to fulfill your unique kingdom purpose. Again, God made you to be you. We have introverts. We have extroverts. We have outgoing people, we have shy people, we have people who talk a lot, we have people who talk very little. There are gamuts of personality types. And again, the danger can be in the church to highlight a certain personality type more than another. Sometimes we take the extrovert type people, put them in positions of leadership because look at those skill sets they have and this leader's got a lot of sin in their life. Wow, they do a really good job, and they're really charismatic, and they got this real charming personality. And look at it bigger picture than that. But you and I have got a personality that God has given you, and it's a good thing. And we don't highlight one personality type over the other. God has given you a personality type. 
I remember years ago when uh, my church in Montreal at the time, and we were looking at the idea of going into pastoral ministry, they wanted me to become the, uh, the kids' pastor. They wanted me to teach Sunday school. And so I, I agreed. I said, you know what? I don't know if this is what God's calling me to. Let's give it a shot. I signed up. I did it every Sunday for a year and a half. Every Sunday. Every Sunday. Oh, I have to serve once every eight weeks. Oh. Every Sunday. <laughs> to figure out what God wants to do. Sometimes it might take you every Sunday for a year and a half before you know what God wants you to do. And you know what I learned? Kids drive me nuts. I love kids. I love your kids. Your kids are awesome. Now, go back to mommy. <laughs> go back to daddy. Teenagers? Teenagers terrify me. They smell. Okay, like you know, Nerf Knight. I went to one of those years ago, and all these teenage boys, like, dude, I gotta walk out of the building. Okay, this is brutal. Okay, I don't have the personality. Like, people, why do you get along with the young people so well? Yeah, like this. From up here, the one-on-one, yeah, it doesn't fit my personality. Other people do amazing jobs with that. Yeah, the, the personality that fits, that connects. You know, the introverted person, oh my goodness, there's incredible things that you can do for the glory of God, and no one would ever know you're doing it. <laughs> Amazing thing. You could head up our video ministry and our social media ministry <laughs> that is reaching 500 people on a Sunday morning who don't go to church, and no one would ever have to see your face. Oh, <gasps> why not? <laughs> I'll teach you how to do it. Okay? So there's this personality that God has given you, and they're good things. Right? And then finally is your experience. All of us have got hurt. All of us have gone through stuff. We live in a fallen world. And sometimes we take ourselves out of service because we go, because of my woundedness, because of the sin that I've had in my life, God can never use me. But you know what I've come to learn about God as I've studied the Bible more and more? It's everywhere God is using sinful, broken men and women for his glory. Because it's not about you. It's about how great God is. And God will use even your worst thing you've gone through in your life for his glory. If you step into it, get over yourself. Right? Romans 8 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. I have met amazing people serving in ministries who were the most broken. You know who are the best people to work with people trying to get over alcoholism? People who used to be alcoholics. You know who are the best men to help men get over their addiction to pornography? Men who used to be addicted to pornography. You know who are the best people to help couples that are this close to getting divorced? Other couples that were this close to getting a divorce. God uses your mess for his glory. Don't disqualify yourself because of your past experiences. Don't disqualify yourself because of past sin or past hurt. God doesn't want you to step into that. You might have to do some healing. You might have to do a little bit of work on that so that you can actually minister well in that. But God has given you these experiences, and God will not waste anything. He'll use it. So do you know your shape? Do you know your shape? Do you know your spiritual gifts? Do you know your heart? Do you know your abilities? Do you know your personality? Do you know your experience? Because I firmly believe you will be more blessed when you serve out of your shape.
And we in the church, we want to get better at this. We're committed to getting better at this. I don't want anybody serving out of guilt, shame, obligation, or tradition. Well, I've always done this role. Well, well, I've always done it. I guess I have to keep doing it. I release you in Jesus' name. You are freed from the guilt that I've always done this. Sometimes in churches we have what we went through this yesterday as in our leadership day. Sometimes we have matriarchs and patriarchs who are hanging on to things. And they won't let them go. But there's no shape to actually do that. My job is to lovingly remove the matriarch or the patriarch from it. And I'll do that thing. You're not called to this. We're going to help you find where you are called to serve. Do you know what that is? 